Hog it's Passover. Welcome to the Reluctant Vegan Sun. On this episode, we talk a lot about our traditions during Passover. It's a very tradition-steeped holiday. We have a Seder, talk about the story, talk about what's going on. I led one with my friends who knew nothing, and we talk about how sharing what you believe in or your culture helps us all get along and help people understand better. And it also creates value, and we talk about creating value, so enjoy the show. Before quarantine, I was on spring break in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was drinking, I was smoking, don't catch me FBI, I was living life. I thought I had a great time. I was eating a shit ton of fast food. Quarantine hit, I came home, my family is vegan. I became the reluctant vegan son. This is my podcast talking with my friends and family about food, veganism, all types of things, whatever the fuck comes up and I love it. So, hit the music. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this 42nd episode of the Reluctant Vegan Sun podcast. I'm Adam, the Reluctant Vegan Sun. Yeah, 42. 42. I'm here with Nikki. That's me. 42 is a long time. You know, <laughs> that could almost close be, to a year. Mm-hmm. You no, know, that could almost be called. Tell me. A tradition. <laughs> nice segue, Adam. Woohoo. That is a tradition. tradition. All right. That's enough of that. I don't want to be copyrighted. So <laughs> maybe no, that's enough to be copyrighted. Copy. Let's get that back. I need the media attention, you know. So <laughs> let them get you. Anyway. Let them call you out, arrest you. <laughs> Oh, Go so you're, you're saying keep going? Keep going. Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. 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 All right. I just wanted the tradition part. Feel on the Roof is a three-hour sh- movie? Oh, Jesus. Wow, I didn't realize it was so long. Damn. I mean, plays tend to be three hours just with that intermission, so you're always devoting that amount of time but a movie shouldn't be three hours necessarily i don't know dude that was a Mm. long time for a movie we've watched the first two lord of the rings Mm. and we haven't found time to watch the third because i mean how are you gonna you just gotta bracket out three hours of your time oh is it three hours each lord of the rings is three hours nine hours of content and then they made three three hour hobbit movies wow yeah i don't know that's a commitment it is a commitment Mm mm-hmm it truly is a massive commitment. So true. How are you doing, Adam? I still got to watch the uh, third one. I'm doing fine. Uh-huh. Doing okay. I'm still, I don't feel fantastic. I haven't been doing much. You know, when uh-huh. you're a senior, when you're, well, not even when you're senior, when you're finishing something, you don't feel very motivated. I'm almost done with school mm. and my motivation is just run out. Granted, I never had much motivation for school, <laughs> but my motivation for everything is like, I just want to be done and. That's so interesting. You you said when you're finishing something. So mm-hmm. I think it depends on what you're finishing. There are some things that I'm committed to and I want to finish strong so that I leave a good impression and that I do really well and that I make as much of a difference and impact as I can. Whereas for you, it looks like finishing here is something that you just are trying to get through. But like you said, you've never really been that into school anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I know that in high school, a lot of people talk about senioritis 
mm. or something like that. True. So, yeah. and that feels similar to what I'm going through now where I'm just want to be done. Mm. And I guess it's different. I don't have a job. So maybe that's why I should be focusing more. Other people maybe have jobs lined up and then they can think, oh, I just want to be finished, graduate and then go to my job. Mm. And I'm not like that. I want to be finished and then figure out what I want to do. Mm. So that's my thinking. But you were, yeah. So that's, well, I'm think, kind of like, I think that's a bit of a thought through. error, like a, something about needing and wanting to be finished with something because that something feels like a chore. Mm. So, how do we live a life where the things we do actually are embraced in certain ways and aren't necessarily a chore? And that's not just behaviors or actions that are buffering that are easy. But how do we move towards whatever it is that we're supposed to evolve into? That's a question that's a, lot job. Of, a lot of people have not answered. Mm. The amount of people who are unhappy with the work that they do mm. is astronomical. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Right. It's sad because this is, this is our one iteration, no matter what you believe in terms of life and afterlife and whatever. But this is our iteration in this body. And so, and our job on this planet is to evolve. And we evolved from whatever it was like 10,000 years ago to this present moment in time. So how are we going to figure out, what was that big Mark Twain quote, uh, quote? The two things in life that are most important is when you're born and then when you figure out why you were born. And that's hmm. an interesting question what are we evolving to and how can we the be the best versions of ourselves that add to the growth of ourselves the people around us and the world it's a question you got to keep asking yourself there's no one definite answer and i think that answer changes as you go through life right Mm -hmm. uh, there certainly doesn't need to be a singular answer to that question and there doesn't mm -hmm. have to be one set um, one answer that stays with you. Once you answer that question, those questions change. I mean, your people are discovering, people are doing things or people don't mm -hmm. do things. I mean, one of the things we were talking about jobs and working yesterday, and we'll talk more about what happened yesterday mm -hmm. and the last two days. It's right. Passover. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is going to be a, either a late Monday release or early Tuesday release. Right. I'm not sure which, but uh -huh. uh, jobs, you have this information idea that you need to go to this job to get the money to get this you can live and then don't have to worry about things and that kind of keeps you in place from not necessarily maybe striving to attain the true meaning that you find from yourself or you can really enjoy your job or you can enjoy your job and then have other things that you do that you help find for yourself mm -hmm. because that's one thing about the structure of capitalism or this structure that we have currently is that everybody's so obsessed with having the security and the money for good reason, because we want people to be secure in the way the society's set up. You know, you kind of have to get a certain amount of money to be secure. I was listening, or I've heard people saying things about money doesn't buy happiness. Well, that's true, but that shouldn't also be used to tell poor people to be content, people who aren't as well off to be content. Money can't buy but money buys things that we need. It, money, it, exactly. Happiness, exactly. you could create at any moment mm -hmm. in yourself, whether you have money or not. 
but there are certain things that are absolutely necessary in order exactly. to live and, and people, survive. People who have those necessary things tend to be happier than people who don't have those necessary things. And that's not, necessary necess- that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true, but, but studies have been done and it's been shown that it's easier or there's more cognitive ease when you have those things. In the psychology book I'm reading, if you don't have to worry about, you know, your health insurance, where you're living, where your food's coming from, you have a lot more easiness in what you can do. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're happier than somebody else, but you have are afforded more abilities. And that's part of the luxuries of, or I mean, that's something that I've definitely been afforded the luxury of, which is very nice. But then after that point, yeah, money doesn't buy you happiness. So I think the quote there has been misconstrued because- right. I think you're right about that. And that's why I think the society with the jobs, because people think that you have to get up to that point. And that is true. Like you don't need necessarily that much money to be happy, but you need, if you have a certain foundation, it does help. Whereas people don't want to struggle or as much. And then you just go through and you kind of get held in check. I mean, people be bouncing around from one job to the other job. And you might not necessarily like that job, but why do people get jobs? I mean, if when I've had to answer questions when I'm applying to jobs about why do I want this job? Well, I want money. Mm. Might be superficial. That's not even superficial. Superficial answer, I guess, would be the fake answer. So the fake answer would be, oh, I love this company. I want the value. I mean, it, and it's possible that that is true. It's definitely possible that I could like the come Like, I do enjoy working, did enjoy working with people at Diego's when I was working there. I like the people I worked with. I liked my boss. But is the reason that I applied there necessarily because I enjoy the place? No, I was looking for a job to have some spending money. Right. Anyways. So I think at that point, you probably can tell them why it is that you would be you know, useful to that organization, mm-hmm. that exactly. you work hard, that you are looking obviously to make a living and that might mm-hmm. not be your soul's purpose or it might be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that, that you that you are creating value for the company. And I've been thinking about that because if you are equating time spent to time earned, you only have a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. a certain earning ability, depending on what you think you can earn. And so I've been trying to rethink this and that I am creating value in whatever I do. So when you think about somebody like Oprah, you know, she has the same amount of time that we have, but she has created so much value in her content Mm. that you can really expand what it is you make based on your value. But if you're always thinking that you need to work harder in order to make more money, then you still can only make a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. And that certain amount of money is the money that you honestly believe that you can make. So if you if I said, okay, you, you're, you're going to, can you make a dollar? I, I bet you would easily believe that you could make a dollar. Yeah. I can make a dollar. Right. But if I said, can you make a million dollars? Seems hard. It feels right. a lot harder. It feels harder. And it only feels harder because I don't think that you have ever made it before, but you also don't necessarily believe that you can. Whereas if you can make a dollar, you could probably make a million dollars. If that was the belief system, you just make that dollar and rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. Because that seems unattainable. I mean, 
if you are thinking that and you're able to think that way, that making a million dollars along that million dollar road, you will be making lots of singular dollars and you'll be making lots of thousands of dollars, which people have made before. Right. Or, and so if you think of it like that, but then it seems unattainable. So it feels that you can't get there. So you're like, why it's, it's just hard for this, for myself or for the self to believe. Right. But I totally believe it at this point mm-hmm. that I can create enough value in the world that I could easily make a million dollars and I'll have to really go through whatever points I need to get there. And that'll have to be broken down into smaller increments. And then I'll have to expect that it'll feel hard at times and I won't desire to do it. And I might doubt myself and Mm -hmm. still push through those particular feelings to get to the other side of that. And I want to make a lot of money at this point because there are things that I want to do with the money. I want to create a hydroponic sustainable or an aquaponic sustainable vertical farm in this fishing village that I'm seeing patients at. And I could go around trying to get people to give me money, but I also don't want to do it in the way that a funding source might expect me to. Because once you get funding from people, then they might have expectations about what you're going to do with that money or how you're going to do it or how you're going to split it. And I feel like I trust myself and I'm a good person and I would do good things with money to have that money and then and then spend it the way that you know myself and the community that I'm working with sees fit. Mm-hmm. See, that's some of the freedom that you get afforded by it is hard to work by yourself and to do things by yourself because it might not always work out and you might not have the money. It might be easier to get the money to do that if you work with other people, but you can't control what they expect out of you. Right. And right. so, and you don't know why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Are they doing it fully for the philanthropy of others or are they doing that to boost their own company in some ways and, and any way Tax that's write-offs. fine. Or maybe a tax write-up. I don't know. Whatever it is, I think that's a really good thought. Whatever it is, but I mm. I want to control that myself, and I trust myself to control that. So some people will say the money is the root of all evils, and if you're an evil person, probably you will spend money in ways that don't make sense. But if you're a good person, I think you become a better person spending the money in the way that you think is good and appropriate and thoughtful. I agree with that, but there are lots of situations where money have driven good people to do bad things. Interesting. Explain what you mean. Exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's definitely opportunities where a good person has come in with good intentions and then gets a lot of money and then maybe doesn't necessarily do things the way they want to. And it might be because somebody was telling them, you know, because you never know what's happening there. But I mean, good people do a lot of evil things. When they get money, I don't have a good example off the top of my head. I don't know why I keep on going back. I saw something, I was reading something about like how divorce proceedings and stuff like that tend to drive good people. Like there are things that happen in life that good people will do crazy things over. I mean, and tear and it'll tear people apart. Related to money. I, I hear related what you're saying. to money. So related you're talking about death related to money and divorce related yeah, to money. Like the will, like dad was my my dad was uh divvying up. I don't know how he, he got, was the caretaker of this will for his, this guy that he knew. And I don't know what happened. And now all these children, all his children, all his cousins and everybody was calling him up and trying to figure out what to trying to, I'm not sure exactly why they were calling him all up, but I mean, I'm sure they're decent people. 
Right. But I think that comes from a place of scarcity. Like there's a money scarcity. Mm. And so they're scared to not have it or even, you know, excited to have it a little bit because they don't trust in their own ability to make it in that way. Um, I, yeah, that doesn't mean that they're bad people either. I don't know what they're spending their money on. I mm. can't say that they're spending it in bad ways because that's what we're talking about. Like, you know, the, the root of all evil in terms of spending. That's what I'm thinking, you know, in terms of wanting, I I think when you want like that and feel that there's not enough to go around, it's because it's coming from a scarcity mentality and that you believe that there isn't enough of it. But I don't think that wealth is, you know, there's a, a little bit of wealth. And then if somebody else gets it, you can't get it. I think that money is being created and, and made every day. And I think there's enough of it to go around. So that idea that there's a small piece of the pie that you can get, and if you don't get it, somebody else will, creates that scarcity mentality. Well, that's part of the thing about, I, I don't know why I'm thinking of the corporate structure with that mentality. I mean, if you look, there's a bunch of people in a company, there's maybe one promotion. And then somebody gets promoted and you're like, yeah, yeah, I wanted that promote, but I wanted that promotion or I wanted that. And then you got people competing and people trying to do things. And when you're somebody else puts value because your value is what people what would pay for what you're doing or what you end up doing. Uh, Yeah. Like how much people are paying for you is your value at that point in the way that you have a salary and you feel that your salary is your value monetarily at least. Well, in in that moment, so in that moment, yeah, is is whatever. But but you can create value, and it might not come back to you in exactly that way. Like Mm -hmm. right now, you're creating a ton of value by putting out this content. You're not necessarily making money related to it, but it's going to come back to you in spades. Whether it be in the experiences that you have, and what you believe you're capable of doing, how you move this forward, who listens to it, who appreciates it, when somebody else might listen to it, you just never know. You just have to keep creating the value. Like Oprah did not believe that she would make this kind of money creating whatever content she created initially. She just felt like she was doing good by the world. But the value just kept growing and growing. Have you watched Oprah before? I've watched Oprah before. I've never watched Oprah. What does she provide? (laughs) I'm just wondering. I know Oprah's great. And she provides goodwill. She provides extra learning. She provides belief that people have possibilities. Hmm. And that's all things you can't quantify. Yet that particular empire is worth billions. And it's not because she's working harder. She's not working harder than your average person who's working at any corporation. She has just created value that is worth a lot to people. And much of it was actually free for a long time. Yeah. So I want to talk about another empire. Okay. The Egyptian empire. (laughs) (laughs) Nice segue, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I've been waiting for this. So the first two nights of Passover was uh yesterday and the day before and of course we didn't put out a podcast because we were uh show me uh passover right show me nagia you know not using any electronics can't do that <laughs> show me nagia is not that not show me you know what i'm saying you we're said for- show me okay show me nagia is, is the 
Yeah, I was entirely wrong. Holy shit. Uh, show show me the Gia is where is people wear you know, don't. <laughs> show me the Gia is, is when you like don't have sex when you have your period and... What? And also, like, you don't expose parts of your body yeah, to anybody that, that's what I was but thinking. your husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's all of it, I think. Anyways, uh, so that was a religious but, Jewish. Sabbath. But anyways, uh, we were observing the Sabbath. I guess you observed the Sabbath laws. So that's, that's what it's called. The holy uh-huh. days. We were observing uh-huh. the holy days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, really interesting. So it's the first two nights of Passover. And Passover is a holiday steeped in tradition. That's why we played tradition at the start of this whole thing (laughs) but passover is a story of jewish people who were in egypt and then they left egypt and it's a crazy story filled with uh lies and plagues and it's really sad i mean i guess from the jewish perspective it's happy that's why we created a holiday out of it uh but i made the first two nights of passover it's an eight-day holiday I had a Seder with my friends night one and then night two, I did a zoom Seder with my family. And I was just thinking doing zoom Seders are kind of great because while it sucks that we can't be together, you can see people from everywhere because I know that it's not the same, but I have cousins all over this country who are able to join us. Whereas if we were doing this at home, we would not see any besides two of them. So true. Or four of them. Mm-hmm. And we even managed to see one of our cousins who is deployed right now. Yeah. Which, In the Middle East. Yeah. I thought we weren't supposed to say that. The Middle East, right? Yeah, no, we totally, we could say uh, that. We don't know exactly where he's Yeah, deployed, I have no idea but, where he's deployed. Yeah. But he even got to see his kids, which is great like with zoom and all this who's on the west coast who's yeah who's right. on the west coast who we definitely wouldn't have seen and then we saw our cousin who was taking care of his mom who was taking care of his children and we saw other people on the west coast we saw people in boston my cousin is now moving down to atlanta i found out and so next year we might do a zoom say i don't know what we're gonna do unless he comes home but mm-hmm. I think that Zoom Seders might be good things. Or if you, maybe you pod together mm. and then you do Zoom Seders. Mm. You have like a pod of like five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. And then you have two pods and you kind of combine it. I mean, or at in least the house have we some... had six people. I mean, my parents saying. were here and some friends and me and daddy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was fun. So I think that could be a future thingy. But it's interesting talking about Passover with people who don't know much about Passover and how everything is represented very visually. Mm. Whereas when there were questions about when someone asked, why is there corrosive? I'm like, Oh, it's the mortar. They're like, mm. what, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it's the literal representation of the mortar that was between the bricks that built the pyramid. Do, do very... you want to tell people what the story of Passover is? Or do you think they know it? People might not. Mm. I mean, the story of Passover is pretty simple. The Jewish people were in Egypt. They uh, were enslaved. enslaved. Joseph, at first, the Pharaoh was very nice to the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Joseph, who was Jewish, invited all of his friends down. And then that Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came to power. And that Pharaoh did not like the Jewish people, so he enslaved them. And they were enslaved. And he was ordered, he ordered 
the Jewish people to kill their firstborn son or any sons, right? That were born, which doesn't make sense. It's not a good financial decision. If you kill the sons, you're not going to have enough slaves. Well, I guess you can have the female slaves too. I don't know. Do you think it's a good financial decision by the Pharaoh? To kill the firstborn child? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, thinking about this, you know. I mean, if you are somebody that worries as to whether people are going to rebel or not, I think that they assume that the male children will be the strongest of children. So, yeah, but if you assume that the male children are the strongest of children, wouldn't they be the strongest slaves to have? Right. But part of the problem is that um, the culture of Jewish people hadn't died down. And so people were still mm. living with the culture that they were brought up with, which creates a strength amongst people. I think that was most of whatever happened with slavery in this country is that they did everything they could to enslave mm. and then to rip apart a culture and a language. And that didn't quite happen. So yeah. I don't like that philosophy. Well, first of all, there's the whole philosophy of <laughs> slavery. But second of all, <laughs> second of all, I don't think that's a good if you're uprooting everything, you expect them to turn to you. Like, yeah, let's support these people who are uprooting everything I believe in. That just right. doesn't well, sound like that makes sense. It's supported through oppression and fear. Oh, yeah. And that only that's that's that was when racism really kicked in. So they, they talk about there was a time where there wasn't racism. And then there was a time where somebody decided that there was a group of people that were less than, so to speak, so that they could enslave them and somehow use them in ways that benefit the people that are using. Hmm. And in that case, white people, and in our case, previously the Egyptians who wanted to build pyramids. Mm-hmm. So the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt, and one of the babies who were supposed to die was this little boy named Moses, and his mom did not want to kill him, so she put him in a wicker basket, sent him down the Nile River, and he was found by the daughter of the pharaoh, who decided to raise the child as her own, and I think as Moses grew up, he noticed differences between himself and all the other princes, right? Right. That kind of how he discovered he was Jewish, because I'm assuming he wasn't raised Jewish or maybe his mom told him. Possibly. He definitely was not raised Jewish, but I think that he found whatever the cloth was. Th- there were there were signs. And mm-hmm. again, we don't have yeah. a, a full historical account, but there were signs that he actually was not of the Egyptian descent. So eventually there came a time where he... Uh, he noticed he went outside the palace. He was supposedly born very secluded. This is what I know. If anybody knows a better telling of Passover, there's a movie called uh, what's it? What's the movie? I was talking about it yesterday. The, the Ten Disney Commandments. Movie. No, not oh that one too. But there's the, something the, Prince, Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. I, I want to watch that. Right, right. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, but one of the things that happened supposedly he lived very secludedly, and one day he went out and saw a guard beating a Jew or a slaver who beat the Jew, and he was the boss or something. And Moses did not like this, so he beat up or he killed the slaver. And he got terrified that the Pharaoh would do something to him, so he booked it. He ran and got married and worked on a farm. Uh, Yeah, 
that that was Moses. And then miracle upon miracle. Somehow the Jewish people get all the miracles, I guess. Though I guess Christianity also had the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know. But we've been around for thousands and thousands of years. So somehow, and there are lots of different societies that had been a prominent society and they have Mm -hmm. died out. So we as a group are still around. But we've also... I mean, the society, I guess they came back because of the state of Israel, but this is Jewish people have always been in diaspora. That's for sure. So while the Jewish culture has definitely existed, the Jewish state has been in periods. And right now we do have one, but it's been broken up periods across history. Very small periods. Like Mm -hmm. we have for very, very short times in history had a homeland. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Keep going. So, one day when he's on the farm, uh, he runs into a bush and it's on fire. And God, bush. it's a burning bush. Uh, <laughs> they might have had forest fires in ancient Egypt. I'm, I'm, I'm not very much. I always wonder like how this stuff happened and who wrote this stuff down. Like you can I don't know if I necessarily believe in God. And I don't know if you can explain the 10 plagues without God, though. So mm. like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, which no, one I of these can you be explained? Can't. Well, it depends there are locusts that come around all the time yeah but i guess the world was shrouded in darkness uh i guess there might have been a cattle plague it, I, it either was god or an extreme set of coincidences or Paso, or this happened over like hundreds of years or like no decades it doesn't have to be hundreds there are diseases and shit happening all the time but anyway so he, he runs into the burning bush and god talks to him and says you need to take the jewish people out of Egypt. Yeah. And so he goes to Egypt and goes back to Egypt and tells Pharaoh to let my people go. Okay, there's a song about this. There is there's a, my people go. Yeah. Okay. That song. It's a pretty thing. You probably heard the song. I think you should use God's voice a little bit more, Adam. No. God's <laughs> I, I don't have the booming voice. Yeah, no, you definitely don't. Yeah, I need like yeah, a what voice kind of voice were you doing yesterday? I don't even know. I was trying to do an evil voice because I was supposed to be Pharaoh, but oh, yeah. Now I, I don't know it. how to do voices. Yeah. Yeah. I just try to imagine myself as Robin Williams and Mr. Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Cause he goes up and says, I do voices. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but so Moses goes back and he goes and says, free all your slaves. And the Pharaoh's like, no, why the fuck would I do that? Bad business decision. Okay. <laughs> right. Bad business decision. Second yeah. bad business decision. First one but, killing the firstborn children, boys. Yeah. It's also a bad moral decision, you know, to, to have. <laughs> oh, slaves. that's part but, of it. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's not good morally to have slaves, but it just pure financial perspective. Yeah. Anyways. We're done with that. Uh, so Moses is like, okay. Uh, so God starts casting down the plagues. And the first is the plate of blood rain, uh-huh. which I guess it rained blood. So that's, that was the first plague. And why do I know the plagues in Hebrew better than I do and what they mean in English? Because <laughs> we say them every year. And it's like, I think I was close. Anyways, I, I think that was really good, Adam. You don't have to go through every plague, by the way. I don't know if the listeners have all the I, attention for every, every I can plague. be very fast for the plagues. 
Go ahead. Well, you got the blood, you got the frogs, you got the um, locusts, you got the flies, you got the cattle, the boils. Oh, no. It says lice, flies, and locusts are all different things. Uh, interesting. Anyways, there was a lot of shit that happened. And mm-hmm. Pharaoh kept going, no, no, no. And then the last one was the death of the firstborn. And this has a lot of symbolism in Passover because God smited down the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. And he knew that the house was Jewish because they were smear lamb blood all over the thingy. All over their door. Right. All over the entranceway of their mm-hmm. door. They and would so smear God was lamb like, blood. Hmm. Jewish house. Jewish house. Kill that firstborn. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically did. He was he played an Uno reverse card on Pharaoh. <laughs> is basically what happened. I like that, Adam. Right. Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill all the sons. He's like, no, I'm going to kill your sons. So Pharaoh <laughs> and Pharaoh's son died. Pharaoh's firstborn, his pride and joy, because they were very attached to firstborn sons back in the day. And that's gone on for a long time. They're still pretty attached to firstborn sons, depending on the culture. They are. I'm just thinking like royalty in like England. They're like the firstborn mm. son, the heir to the throne, and the second mm-hmm. son, who is now 57 seats removed from the throne <laughs> because he was born five minutes after his brother. Right. <laughs> Which is what I was thinking about. So mm. Pharaoh was like, yeah, you guys can leave because this is fucking ridiculous and mm. you guys should go. And that was a good business decision at that point because of all the shit that had their crops and their cattle and, and their first their firstborn boys. <laughs> I guess the girls got off scot-free, so that's good. The girls get enslaved. I mean, what ends up happening is the boys are used and then killed and then girls are always enslaved in some ways. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that happened. There's no pass and in oppression. They, they told them to go and then Pharaoh and they were trying to break their bed, bread as fast as possible and it didn't rise and they ran before it could rise and that's why we eat this flattened cardboard called matzah. Actually, the egg matzah is pretty solid. The shmura matzah, the expensive matzah that's made by hand is not good. Yeah. Well, that's that's really solid in a cardboardy way. Mm-hmm. It's cardboard. I didn't have yeah. any of that this year, which is no. very nice. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his armies after him. And eventually they got to the Red Sea. Mm. And Moses was like, what am I going to do? And <laughs> he banged his staff down and parted the Red Sea. It was another miracle. And there you go. That's Passover. Yay! That's Passover. And then you eat. And so then you most eat. Jewish holidays are where we've been oppressed. People are trying to kill us. Somehow we live by some miraculous way and then we celebrate and eat. And that's most holidays. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, there's a lot of songs and there's a lot of eating. So it's good. It's just different. So the other thing that's really interesting about traditions is how different they are for everybody. So mm. our Seder, yesterday we did absolutely nothing. We had a good conversation. We had a very, oh, we had great conversation. We had, we a had very, good conversation we about good conversation. the state of the world, about That's true. That is semitism, true. about what it means to be Jewish, about sharing that with other people. That's we true. had really, really good discussions. But we didn't do much of the actual Seder. Right, of the actual ritual. Mm-hmm practice of this particular meal and how it runs the word seder means order and there's a certain order within which things are done Mm -hmm. and we didn't do that we didn't do that 
but yeah. I had a great time anyways. But it was everybody. really fun. So, yeah. but however, other people might have a huge Haggadah. The Haggadah is the book that you read from on Passover, and they mm-hmm. come in all different shapes and sizes. <laughs> and other people will have a huge Haggadah and read the entire thing from back to front, from front to back. Right. I guess it's back to front because they read from the other side. So, you know, I was kind of right. right. Anyway, right <laughs> yeah, you're right, right to left. I was kind of right. Half right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They read from the right. But uh, and you won't eat until midnight when you start at 8 p.m. Mm. So it's really interesting how different traditions are. I when I was leading one for my housemates, I did basically what we did every year what I remember doing in my house every year. But the great thing about my family and what I love about our community is we sing a lot and we have a good time together. And honestly, that's the only thing that matters. (laughs) If you have a good time, we trust each other. We have each Mm -hmm. other's back. We can rely on each other and trust each other. Yeah. I find that to be the most important thing. Uh, I think it's pretty miraculous that you actually did a Seder with a group of people in your house who were not Jewish and shared a tradition with them. And I think part of whatever happens with most people's traditions, but definitely part of the Jewish tradition ends up happening in isolation of other people that we isolate ourselves and practice our tradition and other people don't know what it is we do. So it leaves some room for confusion. And, and not knowing. And when you know people, it's really hard to oppress them or decide something about them. So it, it's revolutionary that you did this Seder with, as Lily said, it, it was like a, a bunch of bros sitting there singing Passover songs. It was, there was a freaking great. Other people. But yeah, it was, it was good. They really liked Elbenay. Uh, I, do. <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure out how to do the sing-along because that's my favorite part but nobody knew any of the songs but yeah they so... <laughs> didn't know the songs and your voice kind of sucks so they said my voice got better as the night went on that might and be how many glasses got of drinking. wine yeah <laughs> but i gotta say your singing voice does get better as you go on really i didn't care about my singing voice so <laughs> that's good i felt a little sore the next day but... uh-huh it's okay. I don't know. It was just great. And Adam made all the food. So you were going to have people bring food, but I think you did I most made of it, right? a large pot of chili, some matzo ball soup that everybody loved, and uh, a pot of coconut curry lentils. And then my You friend, made the coconut curry lentils? Too? I made that too. I made a pan of that. And then wow. uh, did they I've like that been too? eating that. Not many people had that. Um, everybody liked the chili though. And then my oh. friend also made some brisket. Was it just a bean chili? How many? Mm-hmm. Three bean chili. It's pretty Creepy tasty. Chili. Uh-huh. And that was my vegan contribution. And our, my was friend, the matzo balls vegan or no? Yeah, they were. Uh, would you make it? So they, they stuck together? They were That's really gummy. Great. They were a little gummy. Uh, I think I overcooked uh, them. But uh, everybody said they tasted fine. So that cool. was good. Nice. And my friend Jules made brisket, which I didn't have. But uh-huh. she also wanted to have a Seder. She's trying to learn more about her faith. And I think that a great way to do it you're right about saying that people it's harder to oppress or harder to hate people when you get to know them because yeah you only know people from what you see and mm-hmm. unless you see people for who they and are what you've decided about see, them mm-hmm, yeah you're only going to see how other people portray them and right. most people portray people who are different than them in a not so flattering way interesting i find mm. that to be the case or mm. and you don't always realize how things are being portrayed for you 
because it's very subtle, but yeah. as images and as words go into your head based on what other people have said, it's already shaping your consciousness without you realizing mm. it. Mm. So true. So, and so true. And so I think that's why it's important. I want to learn more about other people's faith too. So maybe we'll do an Easter dinner. Oh, that so, would be great. I'm sure you'd love to be part of that. I think I'll have an Easter egg that. hunt. <laughs> that, that I like better. What is a vegan Easter dinner though? Because when I think of Easter, I think of ham, 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 <laughs> ham, 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 and ham. And ham. I don't know. We had a brisket from the organic grill, a vegan brisket. It was mm. so good. Is there any leftover? Uh, there's a little bit of leftover, which I am going to eat. But oh! there, yeah, there's a vegan field roast ham that you could, you know, warm up mm. and then cut up. But it's got, you know, it's really easy to kind of create the salt and the smoke. As long as you have the chew, you're good. Mm. Not hard to do. That's true. It's a lot of it's recreating flavors. And to be honest, I find that you go bad and more, you go more expensive and it, you always find it disappointed or other people find it more disappointing when you try to recreate the meats than mm. when you just make something like the chili or something like that. Because people have expectations, right. especially that's true when they say it's fake meat. So, yeah, well, I think if you say it's fake meat, then everybody is already suspect. That's true. But some of them are really good. Like mm -hmm. we get this vegan roast pork at our favorite Chinese dim sum vegan restaurant. And it tastes like roast pork to me. At least it mimics it pretty well. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, what we've been talking about for Passover. That's what's been up the last couple of days. Thank you all for listening. Is it time uh, already? How many yeah, minutes have been? It's wow. been 40 minutes. Yeah, I know. We say wow. this every time. God, but so easy talking with mm -hmm. you guys. Love Thank it. you all for listening up. Uh, if you enjoyed more in general, I guess bad ratings are better than no ratings. I don't know. I, you know, probably not. Just give me a good rate. This content out exactly. It's free content. We love if you, you enjoy. and we want your lives to go well yeah. and there's enough and so on. Mm -hmm. So, and thank you for listening. Please follow me on Instagram. I'll be posting some pictures of the matzo ball soup, I think pretty soon mm -hmm. nice and that's about like, it like rate and uh, review mm -hmm. and share do like, share rate review and share. share if you can share that would be amazing too yes right. bye everybody